Let's get John Hoven in now. John, how are you? Doing fine, Boom. You know, just a uh, normal, normal day here in Los Angeles. Nothing big to talk about. Does it stop snowing? Uh, for a few moments, yes. I do appreciate yeah. you uh, blessing me with the snow, though. Last time I was on, telling me to go uh, yeah. shovel my driveway, and sure enough, I had to do it. So thanks. I appreciate that, Boom. I can't believe anyone in SoCal actually has a shovel, but be prepared. Um, I was shocked when I saw this trade. I didn't see it till this morning, Johnny, but you and I have talked about this a million times. I just think the love affair between King's fandom and Jonathan Quick is, is so special. Like I feel like King's fans loved him more than Kopitar, Doughty, even Brown, who was honored last week or the week before that. They, they just love the guy. For them to... And I understand the deal had to happen and the focus needs to be on the playoffs and trying to win a cup, but to say goodbye to Quickie, that's, that's going to – I guarantee Rob Blake had to swallow hard when he pulled the trigger on that deal. Well, uh, you and I both are, are you know fans of the UFC. He certainly had to bite down on his mouthpiece there in the fifth and final round to pull that deal off. But, look, let's unpack a couple of things that you said there. You're absolutely right. The love affair between Kings fans and Jonathan Quick runs deep because it's such a unique position and there isn't a long history with all due respect to Rogi Vashan, who was a long time ago. The Kings have not been known for their, their history in net uh, of having a lot of success. So they've had a lot of great players through the years, you know, from Gretzky to Robitaille, et cetera. And so there've been many players for fans to fall in love with, but when it comes to goaltending, Jonathan quick is, is on an Island of his own. He's a future hall of famer. He, uh, you know, obviously was the con Smythe winner in 2012, two Stanley cups, multiple Jennings awards, Vesna nominations, the list goes on and on. Uh, and, you know, his number will be retired. There'll probably be a, a statue out front in front of uh, crypto at some point. The reality is this, though. He was not retiring as a member of the L.A. Kings, and that's something that the fan base really needs to come to grips with. Quick made it known at the very beginning of the year during training camp that he had visions or thoughts or intentions of playing beyond this season. And at one point in time, it might have been, you know, uh, uh, at least thought of that perhaps the Kings would sign him to a one or a two year extension, you know, uh, for a million dollars. That's the way that, you know, armchair quarterbacks like to look at it. Those thoughts have, uh, that, that ship sailed a long time ago. If you look at Quick's play this season, which has not been up to the standards of Jonathan Quick, it has been a statistically very poor season, historically poor season for him. The writing was on the wall that he was going to walk as an unrestricted free agent this summer. Uh, he, he, he wants to continue to play. So if the player wants to continue to play and he's not going to play in Los Angeles, and we've seen this before, Mike Madonna wanted to continue to play when you know, Dallas was ready to move on and you know, other greats. It hasn't always ended very well, but you can't fault the player. They're in control of what they want to do. So once it was sort of accepted, if you will, I believe, that uh, Jonathan Quick wants to continue to play uh, for another season or even beyond that, well, then at that point, you know, the romance kind of goes away, and it does become about improving this club in the moment, and that's what Rob Blake, I think, was trying to do. And he went out and spent some big assets and took a big swing to improve uh, in the two areas of greatest need, which would be the left-side defense and uh, shoring up the goaltending, which has just been horrific this year as a whole. Is uh, Quick's legacy 2012, or is it a lot wider than that? Oh, it's much wider than that. It's definitely much wider than that. It's, you know, the competitiveness. Uh, it just th This guy is such a gamer. And, and the highs and lows, you know, it's kind of like Dustin Brown's career in many ways, right? So, you, you know, pe people were done with Dustin Brown, and they had written him off, and the C was taken off of him, and then there was this sort of, you know, resurrection that sort of happened and where he settled into a new role and things changed under Todd McClellan, and, 
and you know everything was sort of made whole again. And I think the same thing with Jonathan Quick. He was written off a number of times. You know, hell, his, his former GM Dean Lombardi was even concerned about his health and went out and picked up Ben Bishop at one point to try to shore up the goaltending, thinking that you know Quick had some injuries and. You know, JQ just comes in and steals the net again. He's he's very competitive. He's a very fiery guy. Uh, I, I said I've said to you for many many years now that the the demise of Jonathan Quick was was definitely exaggerated, and you just have to go back to last season. Uh, you, you talk about his legacy. A big portion of that is last year as well. And while people will say that they were a first round exit, they went to seven games. And Jonathan Quick, when they were without Dowdy last year, he really helped put that team on his back and helped carry them into the playoffs. And, and so his his legacy is far beyond that. It's 2012. It's 2014. It's all of the awards, and it's it's uh, it's also as an American-born goaltender. He's in third spot right now with 370 wins, and he has been you know uh, the class of the NHL goaltending fraternity now for the better part of 10 plus years. So your buddy Dennis Bernstein just put out a tweet, Yarmo Kekalina talking right now in Columbus, saying he's been in touch with Quick, and his rep says we'll see what happens. Do you think he'll report? Well, I, I think he absolutely would report because there's money on the table. There's no reason to not report. Now, if the, if the Blue Jackets choose not to play him, that certainly is their choice. They have a capable goaltending pipeline with a couple of NHL goaltenders as well as some prospects in the AHL. So it's a crowded sort of situation there. And, and where it also goes is, you know, would they possibly look to move him in another deal somehow, some way, you know, whether it's for cap reasons for the Blue Jackets or potentially cap reasons for another team. Uh, if Jonathan Quick wants to continue to play uh, beyond this season, again, he's an unrestricted free agent um, uh, this summer. So he's going to have to make choices. Teams are going to have to make choices about it, what, what it looks like for next year. I, I, I'm not getting too caught up in what happens here over the next six weeks and certainly what, what happens here over the next couple of days. This is all a means to an end. Uh, I, I don't think that he'll be with the Columbus Blue Jackets next season. There would have to be a lot of other moves to, to make that happen. So if, if he is to continue to play – which is his desire, as I understand it, it's going to be with another franchise, and that's all going to play itself out over the summer. So uh, right now, this week, the next six weeks, this is just a means to an end to get to unrestricted free agency. And then I think that's really when the next chapter of this story will start to play itself out. Very similar to what happened with Wayne Gretzky when he was traded in Los Angeles and had a brief stop in St. Louis before moving on to the final chapter of his career in New York. I feel so bad that my... Most significant quick memory over all these years is him being hammered at a parade. But that's what I think of when I think of Jonathan Quick. But he did it right in L.A. Now, before we get to Gavrikov and the Kings, let me ask you this because I don't understand it. I haven't for a long time. Why do you think, to the best of your understanding, it didn't happen with Chikrin? And do you believe he moves in the next 48 hours? I'd be surprised if he moves in the next 48 hours. And as weird as it sounds, I also think he has to get moved in the next 48 hours. Um, so I, I, I'd be surprised only because so many teams, including the Kings, have walked away from that potential trade and just said, forget it, we're done with this, enough, move on. We're going to look at other ways of, of, of solving our problems. The ask is too much. Uh, for, that's basically what most GMs are going to tell you. Uh, if somebody felt that the ask was reasonable, they, then the deal would have already happened by now. So the ask is unreasonable, according to most of the GMs around the NHL, or the ones that would tell you it's reasonable don't have the assets to make the deal, so it's kind of a moot point. Uh, I'd, I'd be surprised because I just don't see very many suitors left. At the same time, I think you have to move them because you can't let this thing continue. It, this, is, well, this is now the second season where Chickering has been involved in this. He was held out because they thought a deal was close. And now what happens? What if you're not able to make, him, make a deal because 
uh, no team meets your re- your requirements. And then what happens if he gets hurt over the final six weeks of the season? It makes it all, all that much more difficult to get a deal done over the summer. And you're not going to sit him out for the rest of the season just to wait until, you know, to try to trade him at the draft. So they've really backed themselves into a corner. Now, in terms of why a deal didn't get done with L.A., we had an article up on mayorsmanor.com a couple of weeks ago and last time I was on Boom and talking with you that basically kind of laid it out. If the Kings were taking Brant Clark and Quentin Byfield off the table, which we've been reporting for the better part of a year that they were, then what are the components that are left to deal with? A first-round draft pick, and if, if Arizona was insisted upon first-round players, uh, then you're talking about Gabe Velarde, you're talking about Alex Turcotte, you're talking about Kapari, you're talking about Bjornfoot. You had to put a deal together that would give them three or four assets. So three assets plus a first-round draft pick you know, while there is a couple years of term left with Chikrin, that still is a pretty hefty ask, and you're going to have to remove at least one player from the NHL roster and moving Bellardi in that deal. Because if you keep Bellardi off the table as well, now you're talking about Bjornfoot, Kapari, and Turcott along with the first. That's not enough to get the deal done, and if it was, the Kings probably would have made that trade. So, uh, unfortunately, L.A. And, and Arizona weren't able to come to a deal. And who knows, boom, at this point, maybe they circle back at some point, maybe they find a way to get it done. But I highly doubt that because the Kings have already used their first-round pick in 2023 in order to get this deal done. So now you'd be talking about a 2024 first-rounder. Again, I just don't think that that Arizona was interested in the assets that that L.A. was able to put together, given the parameters of guys like Byfield and Clark not being part of the deal. We're talking about this guy like he's Ray Bork or something. This is just ridiculous and it can go on indefinitely. Uh, Gavrikov, uh, shutdown defender, which the Kings needed on their left side. Where does he fit and who gets pinched? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And, you know, Drew Doughty has been pretty adamant up to this point that he, he loves playing with Mikey Anderson. He looks forward to playing with Mikey Anderson for many, many years, and they've developed a great chemistry and a great relationship. You're getting a guy that's probably the best comp to someone like a Robin Regeer, who the Kings had, you know, many years ago. He's just a big, tough, rugged defenseman. Probably fits in best on the second pairing. Now, where he plays in game one, if he's in town for the game against Montreal, uh, you know, to me that's, that's probably not the telltale sign of where he's going to end up. The Kings just picked up this player. Todd McClellan just picked up this player. You're going to have to figure out what sort of fits. Could you put him up on the top pair with Dowdy, even for a short period of time? Let Mikey maybe Anderson maybe play on the second pair with, uh, with Sean Dersey. Or do you potentially just go ahead and slot him in on the second pair uh, and have and have Jersey play there, or do you have Roy play there? Because you also still have to have a seventh defenseman that's going to be able to rotate in and, and spell Alex Edler. And if Edler is, is going to be your seventh defenseman going forward, then Jersey probably has to play third pair left side uh, just because the Kings are still short on the left-hand side. So I think there are probably three scenarios there that we just talked about. And again, I don't think it's going to be solved at the first practice, which will be tomorrow, or the first morning skate as well as the first game. I think it's going to have to shake itself out, and McClellan's going to have to figure out how to put the pieces together. And Drew Doughty is obviously going to have you know, some input into this uh, as he's sort of earned at this point in his career. Uh, as we wrap up, you believe Blake is done? I don't think he's done. Uh, in the article that's up on the, on the homepage of mayorsmanor.com right now, uh, look, I think that they're going to use the, the cap relief that they received uh, to go out and get a, top, excuse me, a bottom six forward, a uh, guy with toughness and, and preferably somebody, uh, you know, that can play center if at all possible. I mean, three names just to throw out there would be Max Domi, uh, Bukestad, and Bonino. Those are three guys that are going to be unrestricted free agents. They would kind of fit that mold. Chicago has seemed hesitant to trade Domi. Uh, he, you know, carries a $3 million cap hit, and the Kings would be able to absorb that. 
Uh, Bukestead's the, the steal uh, in all of this. He has a cap hit of 900,000, and he's six foot six, so he's going to bring some more size, and so the Kings certainly are looking for that. Um, you know, Benino could be the guy. He has experience, at least, in being on the same team as Kevin Fiala. They didn't really play together, uh, but they were on the same team. Uh, Benino, uh, you know, he's 34 years old, though. He's, he's decent size at 6'1". Uh, both both Bukestad and, and Benino uh, have scored about, you know, 10 or 12 goals, and, and Domi's going to give you a little bit more at 18. But he's also smaller, and I don't think the Kings are looking for offense right now. This is an offensive, dare I say, powerhouse this year. Uh, I think what they're really looking for is toughness, and so that's why I think a guy like Bukestad or Benino could be could be more of the offering. But um, from an asset perspective, you know, if Eller gets you with some salary retention, uh, cost you a second round pick, that's probably what the Kings would be looking to do, or to move one of their prospects. Uh, we know they have you know too many prospects, so that's potential as well. They're not done, is what I'm saying. They got to go find their Dwight King for this era. Beef up on the back end. We'll see if they get it done. Johnny, thanks for the time. It's been a busy day. Appreciate it. Well, boom, there were two things I wasn't expecting to hear this week. One is Jonathan Quick was traded, and two, a reference to Dwight King. So tip of the cap. Well, it was him or Jordan Nolan. I didn't know which way to go. I went with Dwight King, and we move on. All right, that is the mayor, John Hoven. Go to Mayor's Manor for all your Kings coverage to read up on everything that was done uh, this week.